Hello and welcome everybody wherever you are in the world. My name is Paul Ryan, I'm founder of PrescriptionRevision.com and I'm a GP and pharmacist based here in Ireland. I'm passionate about clinical pharmacology and therapeutics and really enjoy making the latest international guidance relevant to those of us at the coalface of primary care. Now in today's podcast, I'm going to talk about non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs. I'm first going to talk about NSAID pharmacology and then going to talk about the adverse effects of NSAIDs and then specifically about diclofenac and celecoxib. So first of all, NSAID pharmacology. Now we know that NSAIDs exert their anti-inflammatory effects through cyclooxygenase 2 inhibition, or COX-2 inhibition. So COX-1 is known as the housekeeping enzyme, and when COX-1 is inhibited, it increases gastrointestinal side effects. So coxibs, such as celecoxib, inhibit COX-2 without affecting COX-1. And this is why there is a reduction in GI risk associated with coxibs. We know that COX-1, when it's allowed to function, it causes a production of prostaglandin I2 and prostaglandin E2. And these increase blood flow to the stomach and increase mucus production, which helps prevent uh, stomach ulcers. So when these are, when the COX-1 is not allowed to produce uh, prostaglandin uh, I2, which is prostacycline or prostaglandin E2, it increases the GI risk. Now, just to talk about aspirin for a minute, aspirin irreversibly inhibits both COX-1 and COX-2. As, men- as mentioned, COX-1 is the housekeeping enzyme. It is prothrombotic. COX-1 is prothrombotic, as it causes the production of thromboxane A2 in platelets which is required for clotting, which is an essential function in the body. Once COX-1 is inhibited, platelets can synthesize more thromboxane A2 as the platelets do not have a nucleus. COX-2 enzyme causes the production of prostacycline, which is antithrombotic, in the vascular endothelium. Now, as the cells of the vascular endothelium have a nucleus, the COX-2 enzyme from these cells continues to be produced, which is unlike the COX-1 from platelets, which do not have a a nucleus. So this is how aspirin has an antiplatelet effect. If a patient taking regular aspirin is then initiated on an NSAID, this will inhibit this COX-2 enzyme, so the NSAID reduces the antiplatelet effect of aspirin. So f- for certain patients with cardiovascular disease taking antiplatelet drugs, um, a, pro- a proton pump inhibitor should be co-prescribed with the NSAIDs. But remember, NSAIDs cause aspirin to lose its effectiveness. So just to, uh, this is why NSAIDs should use, be used for the shortest possible time at the lowest effective dose. For patients taking clopidogrel and NSAIDs, the preferred PPI is lansoprazole or pantoprazole as omeprazole and esomeprazole can reduce the activation of clopidogrel. The take-home point, I feel, is that in patients at risk of GI bleeds who really need an NSAID, naproxen with PPI is the least worst option. 
Now, next to discuss the adverse effects of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs. There was a review done in, British, in the British Journal of General Practice in 2016 that stated that demonstrated that NSAIDs cause more deaths than road traffic accidents, twice as many deaths as asthma or cervical cancer, and are responsible for 30% of adverse drug reactions. The gastrointestinal bleeding risk for the patient is increased from day one of taking an NSAIDs, and these GI bleeds are more likely to be fatal. GI bleeding risk is increased 12-fold if the NSAID is co-prescribed with corticosteroids. And we could see these in patients with frequent exacerbations of COPD or as those with diagnosed in our practice with polymyalgia rheumatica. As both, so it just, and why is that? Because corticosteroids themselves reduce prostaglandin production in the stomach, just like NSAIDs. Now, the risk of GI bleeding is increased 11-fold if NSAIDs are co-prescribed with spironolactone as spironolactone inhibits the formation of fibrous tissue by binding to mineralocorticoid receptors inhibiting healing of erosions. Now the other main concern there would be NSAIDs should not be used in patients with heart failure uh, for which spironolactone, one of the main uses in primary care, is in heart failure and the second second use is in step four of the, as an antihypertensive agent. Um, now, the last point is that it, the GI bleeding risk is increased sevenfold if co-prescribed with SSRIs, as SSRIs inhibit the serotonin channel of the platelet, so hence stopping activation. So, if an NSAID has to be used in patients taking antithrombotics, such as, uh, you know, antithrombotics meaning anticoagulant or antiplatelet, it is recommended to be to co-prescribe a PPI in, pa- in patients at uh, um, increased risk, such as those uh, over the age of 70 years of age or on dual antiplatelets, we say. So, and this is to reduce the risk of GI bleeding. NSAIDs, now the final point, NSAIDs double the rate of acute kidney injury if the patient is over 65 years of age. Um, and the main reason for that is that as we get older, we become our renal blood flow becomes more dependent on prostaglandin uh, mediated vasodilatation. So NSAIDs themselves, NSAIDs tend to um, concentrate in areas of acidity, the first being the area of inflammation, the second area of the body of which has an increased acidity is the stomach, and the third area of acidity is the kidney. So if you are shutting down or reducing the blood flow to the kidney in these in these cohort of patients, you'll increase the the risk of acute kidney injury. So just to talk about NSAIDs and cardiovascular risk, NSAIDs increase the risk of MI and stroke. They also reduce the antiplatelet effect of aspirin, as I've already explained. The cardiovascular risk with diclofenac and 2,400 milligram a day of ibuprofen is similar to that of COX-2 inhibitors. So, for example, for every 1,000 patients taking diclofenac compared with placebo for one year, an extra three patients will have a major cardiovascular, a major vascular event. And this is shown in the British Journal of General Practice back in 2016. There is no increased risk of arterial thrombosis at ibuprofen doses up to 1,200 milligram a day. So we say 400 milligram three times a day, which is the dose we usually consider. And this is compared to placebo. 
the data is actually limited for patients taking ibuprofen between 1200 and 2400 milligrams per day. So what does the MHRA state? So the MHA, the Medicines and Health Care Products Regulatory Agency, or the MHRA, advises that diclofenac and 2.4 gram daily of ibuprofen is contraindicated in ischemic heart disease, peripheral arterial disease, cerebrovascular disease, and congestive cardiac failure. Diclofenac should only be used in the following groups after careful consideration. So smokers, so even if I have got a 22-year-old smoker who um, is in with um, menstrual pain, for example, I have to, it's cautioned uh, to give it to in this cohort of the, of the population because she's a smoker. Also patients with hypertension or hyperlipidemia and those who have diabetes. So bottom line is that NSAIDs should be used for the shortest duration necessary to control symptoms. So naproxen, less than 700 milli, uh, 750 milligram per day, or ibuprofen, less than 1,200 mg per day at the lowest possible dose, should be used first line if an NSAID is required, as they have the most favourable cardiovascular risk profiles. So that brings me to the end of uh, today's podcast. I hope you found it useful, and I'm looking forward to delivering my next podcast. <laughs>